Welcome to episode 534 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, our team, welcome along to episode 534 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? Sensational, Bevan. Sensational. Did you watch, do you watch any of the league? No. Because I didn't watch the game on Friday night, and apparently it was one of the greatest games of rugby league of all time. Just watch the rugby, Bevan. That's all we need to worry about. Well, Smashing you sappers. The problem with the rugby is it's a bit predictable nowadays, mm. isn't it? No, it can, is. no, we're 30 points better than any team in the world right now. It's ridiculous. That's, that is ridiculous. And the discussion in New Zealand, which is such a stupid discussion, is, is it boring? Mm. Like, why was it boring if we dominated every team in the world? I don't, I don't get that. People are worried about the state of the game worldwide. It's like, well, just smash everybody. Just keep them coming. Seriously, it's, it's awesome. But the league, because last year's grand final in the league mm. was one of the greatest grand finals of all time because it basically went to golden point. So it was a draw at the end. It went to golden point, I think, and then one of the... Mm. Or a guy had to kick to win the game, and it was pretty cool, but... You American listeners are probably loving this. Oh, people love sport, John. Yeah, yeah. I've started listening to a podcast, Bill Simmons. Oh, Bill, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he's big in America. Yeah. He's big in America. And I have to say, I only listened to a couple of episodes because it's American sport, but it's interesting when you just hear discussion around the sport. Mm-hmm. Mm. But anyway, um, but the league was apparently really good, but the All Blacks dominated. Did they you watch did. the All Blacks? I watched part first half. And then you thought they were going to win by 30. What's the point? No, then I went to bed. It was only about 8 o'clock. I don't have Sky Sport anymore, Bevan. I've cancelled my oh, subscription. So you Sky Sport? I don't watch it. Wow. Have you got no. a mate? No, I don't have any mates. <laughs> no. no none. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a mate, he's got Sky. Yeah, but that still doesn't, doesn't change the fact that I don't watch it. No, but when you want to watch your Blacks, you can watch it live. That's true. Because I've got a mate. I've got no. actually more than one. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I've got a few mates. <laughs> and I've got a mate who's got Sky. And I probably watch stolen his code. Yeah, we know. Yeah, but there's probably I probably watch maybe twenty hours of sport a year on it. Mm. But for those twenty hours, it's good to have. Mm. So, John, I just turn mine on and off. Has Phil got Sky? Yes, he has. Just remember, good Phil. <laughs> Phil, you listen. You know, <laughs> just put <laughs> John your details. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. Oxygen Addict. Uh, they're the place to go to get lots of good information about being a good athlete. And our patrons. And let's name a few, John. Lawrence the Phantom Howls. Who's last one? Alan Cooper's clan, maybe? Uh, I'd say Kupta's Chan. Kupta's Chan. Iron Palm. Alistair K.O. Nocton. Aaron the Tornado Torello? 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 And Jeff, one of our classics, Jeff the Explosion Curry. Torello? That's a good name, isn't it? Toriello, yeah, yeah, Toriello. If you pronounce it right, it is. Joe was trying to because I've because I've got my hair's pretty long right now, isn't it, John? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll bring this out now, Bevan. I've got some business advice for you. What's this with? Um, I don't cons- consider myself to be at the forefront of fashion, and at the forefront of um, which you consider I am. I'd say you're closer to the forefront than I am. Okay. Uh, you may be still lagging behind, but you're not. You're further ahead than I am. Yeah. You, you take pride we, in your we, clothes. We, we both aren't that flash. Yeah. Yep. And but in terms of personal appearances and stuff, I don't put hair product in my hair very often. Sometimes a bit unshaven. When I got onto Facebook yesterday, first thing I see is some <laughs> bloody hillbilly 
trying to promote his business. I'm like, what are you thinking? I wasn't promoting business. I was promoting my podcast. Yeah, well, you weren't doing a great job going, who oh, is this? People were loving the here, hillbilly? <laughs> and you know better this morning. Get, but lift your game, please. Well, you know, you know, I'm a pretty boy, I can't deny it, but I'm not actually that vain. Like, I don't really care. But, yeah. It's the impression you're making on other people, though. I, I kind of like the fact that you go, you know what? I am what I am. Okay, okay. Just putting it out there. Okay, well, I'll take your business tip there. Next Go. time I'm going to do one, you're going to see my hair slick back. I'm going to look like an Good. 80s gangster. I'm waiting for it. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a website of the week. We've got a good website of the week, and it's about the discussion that Swanee Noah pulled up a few weeks ago. We've also got uh, scientific papers. Just reviewing the last couple. Yep, because he's doing as he's doing it. You think it's happening today, isn't it? We should be, yes. How long do you get? We've got 10 minutes. I'm going to rant here a little bit. Okay, here we go. If my lecturer is listening, come here on. comes Who's my your rant. lecturer? Maria. Come on, Maria, sharpen up. So the, the topic, you've you got 10 minutes to present. We've got a big class to get through, and so you've got a 10-minute presentation. So I'm thinking she's going to be sitting there with a stopwatch, and you're going to get penalised if yeah. you go much over 10 be, minutes, a, a which one you minute should. call-up. Yeah. Yep. And so last week she didn't have a stopwatch, and people were going way over 10 minutes. I was like, come on. Yeah. I had mine timed. I was bang on 10 minutes. When you practice, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Don't you? I was like, come on. Nothing worse you know, so one time at school when I was a kid, we had this guy called Brian who wasn't the smartest cookie. And I, I wasn't a smart cookie at, cool, but he, yeah. at school, but even Brian wasn't a smart cookie. And we were doing our, our speeches. Mm. And his, his speech was absolute gold because it was so bad. Yeah. But we had like three minutes and he was taking like 15. So oh. in the end, what we all did, we all just started clapping. Yeah. <laughs> the whole class just started clapping. Yeah. So maybe that's your strategy okay. today. If someone starts oh, to go over. stopwatch. <laughs> just starts. Well done. Good work. God, you could do that in Kona a couple of times, couldn't we? <laughs> well, I actually did that. I was at a Les Mills conference a couple of years ago, and there's a guy called Lee Smith who's a, who's a, knows his crap. Like this mm. guy's about cycling; he's a legend. He's a great instructor. But Lee does have a tendency to talk a bit, and, and he was going a little mm. bit over. And it was kind of lunchtime, and I was a bit, I was ready to finish. Yeah. So I just go, "Well done, Lee." <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes. I'm not finished. <laughs> it did not go down well. So <laughs> I look like a bit of a dork in that at the moment. Anyway, uh, we've got an interview of Rob Wilby. We've got some questions and answers, and then we'll get into it. But John Bo, the most important discussion that's happening in, in triathlon right now, actually, it was quite interesting because on the New Zealand news last night, this was the lead story in the sports. Really? Yeah, yeah so no. this was the lead story. Obviously, the ITU, it's what everyone's talking about. Uh, before we talk about the main bit, you've got here... Schumann is not the real deal. Oh, sorry, that, that's a typo. Oh, okay. I was wondering sorry. India. No, here's okay. the real deal. Okay, so so let's let's talk about this because it's a very interesting discussion. A lot of people will, you know, most of you, especially if you're on social media, would have seen this, and it'll probably be we, we, this only happened yesterday, so it'll probably be in the papers and and stuff today. Um, I was actually sitting there chatting to a guy that I coach, and I went, oh shit, I meant to be watching the uh, ITU yeah. race live, but luckily with the the um, triathonlive.tv you can go back in there's no spoilers and stuff so oh, you can actually good. go in there and I was I'd missed it by a couple of hours and uh, so I actually went through so you and went watched to do it. it like you're watching it live yeah okay. and I was actually about to start doing my prep for today's show I thought don't go into any websites don't go into any websites yeah, yeah. and uh, I just had that playing while I was doing something else and um, I was I was wouldn't say I was cynical about the race um, this year in Cozumel it was a very uh, flat fairly boring course so I really thought on the girls side of things it was just going to be um, a Gwen Jorgensen show no matter what happened 
happened she'd just run through and uh, and win the race and on the guys side of things last week when we pre-recorded when we recorded the show Alistair Brownlee was not on the start list mm. uh, and then he turned up and decided to race now that added quite a bit to the mix because uh, Jonathan Brownlee had to um, essentially finish a certain number of places in front of Moulder to win the well, series he had to win it if, without Moulder getting on well yeah certain number of places but if, if Moulder got on the podium he was screwed exactly yeah. so there was, that, there was that real interest factor and so you really were thinking well if they get a breakaway on the bike um, this could be interesting and, and, and that did happen so because so, Moulder had a really good swim so you know he was only 20 seconds down after the swim so you, were you thinking at that stage this is good for Moulder or uh, well because both Brownleys there there both Brownleys were there I was thinking that there was probably going to be a break because they just get on the bike and even if there's a two second gap they just absolutely drill the start of the bike ride and just splinter the fr- front okay. of the, the peloton so whilst they all came out of the swim there was enough of a together there was enough of a, a stretch out there that I was thinking oh these guys really could be could be on yeah. and when you got both Brownleys there plus a couple of other people that are going to contribute I thought no the chances are this will this will get away um, the big question was going to be how big the gap was because Mola and Murray were always going to run through most of them but whether they could get close enough and and as the, as the race panned out it was a breakaway group of I don't know maybe eight to yeah. eight or nine or something like that and they got a just over a minute so you're thinking well, this should be get should be okay because Jonathan Brownlee's probably going to win and Alistair Brownlee's going to be there or thereabouts and then you had Henry Schumann in there and one or two others who could run so you're thinking it's all over for Moller because um, he's not going to finish on the podium um, and as it turned out they went through the run and Henry what I meant to say in the, in the show notes here Bevan, that Henry Schumann really is the, the real deal now really? he, he finished um, well he actually ended up winning the race we'll get yeah. into that in a moment but he ran shoulder to shoulder with the Brownleys for the majority of the run and nobody else has been able to do that for bloody years wow. uh, and so he got third in the Olympics he's quite young isn't he young, youngish yeah, he's early 20s he's probably about 20 24 or something like okay. that he's been around for a while okay. but a bit like that development of Alistair Brownlee he Alistair Brownlee went to the Beijing games and he was right up there uh, and then blew up uh, and, and I don't know where he finished but uh, Schumann's been there or thereabouts. He's had great swims, great bikes, and he's had great sort of 5K runs, but hasn't pulled it together to 10K. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's really showed that he is sort of one of the next generation coming through. So a lot of you guys, I'm not going to tell you how to suck eggs because you will have seen the closing stage of the race, but well, for those of you that haven't... Go watch it now, and then yeah. you know, go, or if you want it, you know, because it's a well. You've probably heard this from from from, fi- from 5k on. Go go and watch it. So if you're not going to do that and you haven't seen it, uh, it is literally Belinda. I, I showed it to Belinda last night, and she's not that much into triathlon watching, but she was captivated by it. Yeah. I just showed her from. Uh, I think it was about 600 metres to go. You saw Jonathan Brownlee. You just saw his feet just starting to go a little bit funny. And then he literally came around this corner and he was just started to zigzag. And literally within 10 seconds or the next 100 metres, it was all over. And he was completely carked it. Came into the aid station with four hundred through an aid station with four hundred meters to go. Put his arm onto one of the officials, and you thought that's his race over. And then his brother ran up, who was sitting in second equal place. Now Schumann had passed him at this point, so yeah, Schumann actually had passed him. There. Only just yeah. maybe a meter yeah. or two. He caught up because he had slowed down because he actually went to a walk mm. into the aid station, and then Schumann got up, overtook him, and then Alistair came through at the same time. Yeah, and basically for those that haven't seen him grabbed his brother, put his arm around him and dragged him you know, roughly 400 metres to the finish. And the interesting part was that then you had uh, um, the other South African, um, 
bloody hell, I can't remember his, his name's uh, eluded me for one second, and also Mola coming up, yeah, Richard Murray coming up behind, and so it was really close as to whether they were going to catch him or not, and, and the Brownleys did manage to get to the finish line uh, together, and if, again, if you haven't seen it, Jonathan Brownlee gets thrown <laughs> across the finish line by his brother uh, because he needed to finish in front of Alistair to, to get the, the higher ranking points. So in the end, Henry Sherman won the race, which was a, an incredible effort. Jonathan Brownlee got dragged across the last three or 400 metres by his brother and thrown across the finish line. Looked like he was Didn't, literally yeah, about to die. He, he, he could not. He, he was... It was with the fairies. It was like he'd been knocked out, basically. Yeah. And uh, and so he finished second, and, and his brother sort of went across the line in third place with a millisecond behind. Richard Murray came through just after them in fourth, and Moeller came in fifth. And because Jonathan Brownlee didn't win, uh, he finished second. By coming fifth, Mario Moeller took out the series. So it was a very dramatic way for What are your thoughts the on sport. the kind of the morals and ethics of this Oh well, I'm I'm very pleased that Moeller won it because I would have thought that he had been robbed if uh, yeah. if if he hadn't been. So I think for the outcome for the sport and the exposure is is off the charts. Mm. You know, this is, is uh, all all I bet you American channels and all that are going to pick it up and some mm. footage. Mm. Uh, so pretty um yeah, it was bloody hot. And what they'd done over there, this was for the guys and the girls race and the under-23s, they'd actually shifted them to, to the latter part of the day. So they were supposed to be on sort because of mid why? to late afternoon because of the hot. heat. Yeah. And so the guys and the girls were actually running at dusk and it was about to be dark very soon after they'd finished. So, and even then it was still super oh, hot. It, look, it, was, it looked in, insanely hot. Um, I watched the girls race on the day before and the girls were just carking it over the finish line they were a gone burger so you know they were saying it was sort of mid 30s but very high humidity but it's different when you're going at that intensity versus say it's probably i don't know if it's much hotter than kona but the difference is when you're going at that very high intensity for two hours uh killing it at you yeah so fast so in some ways it was almost the best case scenario in all situations because it's not something we really want to see in the sport no, no. It's you know, not. like you, because some people have argued. Well, there's that. You know, if we look at Rebecca Keaton, Chrissy, and and Kona, now she giving her the the gas canister was mm. that's outside, that's inside assistance, really, because mm. you aren't allowed outside assistance. You're DQ'd straight away, and in that one, you kind of go, you know what, that's cool. Mm. But actually, someone and, and in you know in cycle racing, you see sometimes like, like I've been in a race where someone's pushed me up a little bit to keep me in the pack. So yeah. you know, there is this aspect of sometimes supporting each other is a cool thing. Mm. But if he had won, it would have been a dirty win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through no, no fault of his no, own. No, no, totally not. And you can kind of understand why Alistair would have done it. Mm. You know, but no other athlete in the race would have had that advantage because Alistair wouldn't have done it for any other athlete. Well, he said he would. You think? Yeah, I think possibly not. But he said after the race um, yeah, but he, he has would. to say that, don't you? Mm. You know, if it, if it was his brother was five in the back and then vice versa and Moller was at the front crashing, do you think he would have yeah. put Moller up? Yeah, no, I don't. There's, but there's no way. Um, and so it's not a good precedent for for racing moving ahead but again it's one of those really hard ones because we do allow it at different times in the race mm. so but ultimately the really cool thing about it was that Mulder did get the win mm. I wonder how Jonathan feels about it like I wonder if he's embarrassed by it I think he would have felt bad if he'd won yeah he would yeah and uh, so Pretty but, but bloody hell it was uh, fascinating viewing 
Fascinating sport. Mm. Uh, yeah, pretty. From cool. what was pros- possibly going to be a bit of a, a bit of a boring race, and then on to the girls as yes, well. What happened to the girls? Because you were saying, you know, Jorgensen's. Yeah. So you, you know, um, in the girls, you had a three three women breakaway. There was Flora Duffy, who's done this several times, just laid the hammer down on the bike, and she got away with two two Pommy girls, and they contributed. They also got away earlier in the year, and they didn't really contribute in leads because they oh, were the same three people. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? And uh, and this time though, they got away and uh, got a nice lead but they did only have um, I think it was a minute seven or something coming off the bike so you're still thinking you're going, got any other race of the year she would have just waltzed away you know she's normally going to put between one and a half to two minutes into someone like that but you're thinking Flora Duffy impressive could because she was leading leading into the race the whole she series was leading the she, series yeah. and um and so you're thinking well Jorgens is probably going to catch her but the others probably won't unless they have a really standout run to her credit she had an amazing run Jorgensen was relatively speaking to her form she was rubbish she didn't actually make up any time and actually ended up losing seven seconds but she just looked like she was out of it she was uh looked like she was very hot and uh and just couldn't couldn't get going so it's in a big unit no she's 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 tall i think she's she's, broad-shouldered yeah i think she's just a touch taller than me but she looks massive yeah because the other girls are midgets okay you you think she's quite a solid unit but no no i think she's tall and not tall you know but just like she's so broad in her shoulders and she runs so Mm. stiff so it's kind of Mm. so i think jorgens didn't have a certainly did not have her a game duffy did have her a game and that's what you need you need to have your best best performance and you need others sometimes to not race as well so i'm pretty sure that had jorgensen caught her um I think Duffy still would have won the World Series. Oh, okay. So a uh, very impressive race by her. And uh, by So was it a good race to watch that one? It was, yeah, it was intriguing because you thought that, you know, it was, it, again, it's, just, it's, it's a straight-up time trial. You're just going, okay, has she got enough gap? And it's just it's not exciting because it's just increments. Okay, they've got an extra five seconds there. They've got an extra five seconds there. And then if Jorgensen was coming, it's going to be, okay, she's taking a little bit out here, a little bit out here, a little bit out mm-hmm. here. Uh, so it was was really interesting when she wasn't taking any time because uh, you go, oh, shit, she might do it. She might do it. Oh, she's done it. So, yeah, she's from Bermuda, so it's fantastic for that island. And, um, and yeah, it was... Uh, a very interesting world championships finale. A few people cocked it up in terms of um, their, their world rankings because it's one and a half times points oh, at this race. Times. No, I think it's one and a half. Oh, so, okay. you, but you can make some big movements and and there's big prize money in terms of the series. So, someone like Andrea Hewitt who had a, a poor race, uh, she's you know lost quite a few ranking points. Uh, yeah, but I think she would have had a real chance. I think she was I think she was sitting in the top three. Okay. So that's a significant loss in money. So. Interesting weekend for triathlon, you know, to get top spot in news in New Zealand for triathlon, when, not including when, a New Zealander, yeah. you know, is, is probably a first, really. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty amazing stuff. So, okay, um, Ironman Wales also happened on the weekend, and the bike times show how hard this ride is. None of the pro athletes, including Phil Graves, who's, you know, is arguably one of the best cyclists in the sport, mm. got under sub five. Mm. So that just shows the challenge of this bike ride. And this was in good conditions, apparently. It was very, very good conditions, good swim conditions and good bike conditions and good run conditions. So, um, yeah, Philip Graves was was leading, I think it was until about the 30k mark on the run. So he uh, ended up finishing. five, I think it was. Yeah. 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 So lost by about a minute. guy called Mark Delson took it out from Germany, swam 46, ride 508 and ran 258 for a nine. 901.39. Philip Graves was, uh, yeah, 
just a, just a minute, min, nearly a minute and a half behind in second, and Nick Baldwin, Baldwin from Seychelles was in third in 9.07, so pretty good racing, you only, you only got nine minutes covering the first four, so anything mm-hmm. can pretty much happen in those closing stages of the, the run, did. and I did see a post somewhere, I think it was, it was by Lucy Gossage, uh, saying she was watching the, the race live and saying, That's, I definitely want to go back and do that race again, she says it's just one of those uh, real iconic challenging courses but um i'm pretty sure lucy so lucy broke her collarbone i think she she's done she did something Mm -hmm. where she couldn't train so hopefully she's going to be okay for kona got a couple of weeks ago i saw pictures of her doing indoor trainer sessions and stuff so uh see how she goes on the girls side of things darby roberts from uh the states took it out didn't quite crack the 10 hour barrier 49 minute swim so fast swims over there and 546 on the bike and 314 on the run again another close race uh but she she must have closed it down the run because uh janine cologne from france had a pretty big lead but she only ran 328 and she would have lost it so she lost 14 minutes to Darby Roberts on the run. Crikey. And then Nikki Bartlett from Great Britain was third in 10.09. Here's the question for the, for the punters out there, for the train spotters out there. What's the biggest gap someone's had off the bike and then not won the race? Mm. That's a really interesting question, isn't it? The biggest gap ever. Now, the history of the sport, I imagine, is earlier. So let's eliminate those first couple of years where it was a bit silly. Yeah. You know, so kind of after maybe the first five, ten years of the sport where, we, you know, kind of at least of the kind of iron four i mean the you know the rock star age you know <clears throat> what what has been the biggest gap you know has, has there been like a 40 minute gap which is hard to believe but, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. but, but what has been but maybe in some of those female fields early on where they did get the big difference yeah. and ability you know where there would be a, less of a complete triathlete you know maybe it's the case so someone do the i'll put out the put out my my one for there for the for the boys was uh when Cam Brown ran down Bjorn Anderson. I was that nineteen minutes. Yeah, that was a big. Lead. I think it was Wasn't nineteen it? minutes. Nine minutes. That'd be about two thousand and five. Yeah, yeah, it was about then. Yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six, somewhere about then. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he was miles ahead, wasn't mm. he? And Cam won it by quite a bit too, didn't he? Yeah, he had, but he ran. Yeah, he had to run a low two forty to do it. Yeah. Yes. Imagine that. Imagine getting off the bike being nineteen minutes behind. Well, that, although although you know that the leader is is a poor, relatively poor runner. Um, so you're probably going, he's going to lose a lot here. But 19 minutes is, is a lot. <laughs> Pretty significant, isn't it? Mm. Your, your thing with Anderson was always that he could run, but he never did. Yes. Yeah. But he was a big unit. He was a big unit. But he, joy, that guy could cycle away. Mm-hmm. And, and his bike position, like if you ever rode with him, his, 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 it was almost like his bloody his aero position was scraping the ground. Eh? He was yeah. so low. It was. Yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, um, this weekend, guys, we've got the ITU Long Distance World Championships happening, and they're going to be happening in Oklahoma, Oklahoma, in somewhere in America. Yes. And so, Jombo, tell us about the race. I want to hear from you guys that go to this race to tell us, you know, what it's like. Whether it's uh, whether they put on a really good show and whether the the standard of the field is is good. Because look, we've just had the seventy point three Worlds. We've got Kona in uh, the weekend two weekends or after uh so it's not ideal timing they they have the, the prize money's reasonable um they've got 11 and a half or 11,000 us for first and it pays down to 15th place uh it doesn't it's not much once you get past 10th but at least you get a little bit of money towards your your um accommodation so it's actually yeah, being held in oklahoma that it's where they hold the red man triathlon in the past and yeah, it's going to be an interesting day at the office. So it's run over the distance, uh, the 4K swim, 
120k bike and 30k run and in terms of the oops hold on a second uh, yeah 120k bike it's it's uh, swims two lap two laps of 2k bike is one lap of 120k and the run is three laps of 10k quite like the look of the run you're basically running around running by this lake i'm not sure if you're running around the lake or by it but just on paths all the way so a nice sort of closed course but in terms of the pro field i thought i wonder who's who's uh who's mm, rocking it is a up funny time of year to have it isn't it and um and on the guy's side of things uh it's actually it could be a quite an interesting race. So you've got um, Craig Alexander racing, and oh, he's, wow. in, he's in pretty good form. He he did well at the 70.3 Worlds, right there or thereabouts. He got top 10, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I'm pretty sure it was, it, was, it was definitely there or thereabouts. Joe Gambles is in there, uh, Sylvain Sudry, Philip Osprey, Cyril Vinot. Um, so those guys should, um, Paul Ambrose. So uh, you'd, you'd call it a... A good, very good field. Yeah. You know, it's not. A, it's it's it's. You would call it a world championship you, you'd, field. You'd, you'd put it on par with like the regional championships of uh, of the Ironman races. I would say. Um, so it's it's not a not a not a terrible field, but it's certainly not. Well, maybe a, a second tier regional champion. It's not a Germany. Uh, it's. It's not Germany. It's close. Okay, you get it, Germany. But, yeah, but yeah. So you don't have those. Maybe those top yeah. two. Yeah, but, but, you but, take, but, but maybe like a South Africa or yeah, a, or yeah. A, the Brazilian one. It's um, it, yeah, it's a good field. Like Sylvain Sudry is is a good over this distance is is really good. Philip Ospley is a great seventy point three athlete. Silverno has been a podium place here, and he's been uh, where did he get in Kona last year? He was like fifth, sixth, something like that. So you got some some good dudes there. But you wouldn't really say it's on par with 70.3 Worlds or obviously on par with Kona. So here's a question. So it started in 1994. The race involves, you know, 2.4 mile. They've got the miles here, 112 mile bike and 26 mile run. Um, well, it's question. varied, yeah. Yeah, so, so how can they make this more of a sport? You know what I mean? Because, like, in some ways this is actually a better race it's more achievable for most people, you know, like lifestyle-wise and stuff like that. It's a really cool race. ITU are the big organisation in the sport. And it was much as it's been around for over, you know, 20-something years now. It's it's not really much of an event on the calendar. You don't see, you see this one, you see European Championships, but you don't see many races. And I'm, I'm not sure if ITU really care about it, um, other than putting on these events. But what could they do to actually make it something that would become a bit more of a competitor or a choice for the athletes out there? Mm. Well, I think that's it. The, the thing with Kona, you've got it same place every year. You build the hype for that. When you go, and, and what they suffer a little bit with the 70.3 Worlds is as well, it's moving location, location, location. Mm. So it's hard to get that real build up. And I, I was lucky that I sort of stumbled across this coming up just because I, I, I saw a few weeks ago, oh, I see world long distance champs are coming up. Mm. And... You know, I went onto the website and there's not really anything written about it. So even on yeah, their own website, not really, no. Wow. Because you've had the world yeah, champs, course, yeah. you had the Olympics, you had the Paralympics. Um, actually, I didn't even include the Paralympics this week. I saw Michaela Jones, I think, won a gold medal with um, with a oh, the with a bike with the with in the triathlon with a, an athlete there. So I am trying to get someone on to talk about Paralympics classifications and stuff like that. Anyway, um, I think the fact that it moves around year to year doesn't aid in the fact them trying to build the hype around it. And they are very ITU is very much focused on the Olympics, ITU distance. So they keep keep doing this. Um, but yeah. You need maybe a dedicated team to just try to build a bit of uh, and, PR and, and media. There is a market for it because 
you know, it's been around for 27 years and they're kind of just copying, pasting the same thing every year, aren't they? There's mm. never, since we've been around, this has always been this, we'll talk about this race, we'll talk about European championships. Whereas you go to ironman.com and there's going to be something on about Kona on there fairly regularly or there's going to be some mention. Yeah. You get, if you go to Ironman, you go, oh, Kona, right. That's now, a if I tell you put on a New Zealand long course championship, do you think mm. you get many triathletes doing it? Well, if, if ITU World Long Distance Champs were in Australia, you get a lot of interest and you get a lot of people going over there. When it's in America... No, but I'm no. saying if, if they just said like New Zealand champion, like Ironman, not Ironman, ITU Long Course New Zealand Championships, mm. and they put that annual event on, do you think you get many Kiwis doing it? You'd get more, but it wouldn't be a massive pull. Yeah. Mm. Mm, interesting. Like, because it's, it's just interesting, it's never really... It's just always stayed in the same place, isn't it? Mm. You know, and for those who win it, it's good, like something cool to have you on your CV. But it's also one of those things where it's because people don't know you can say you're a real champion, but you know, mm. and it's that kind of I have credibility outside of my world, but the people in my world don't give me as much credibility, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, mm, interesting stuff. Things that would help put on massive prize money, people will come. Yeah, but I'm kind of I'm more interested in do they would be interesting to see if they could try grow the sport, mm. you know, to make it more participation. Anyway, um, I mean Chattanooga's coming up. It is. Last year we had uh, Krill, oh Krill, Kochigarov from Estonia take it out, and Carrie Lester take out the girls race. I'm pretty sure last year was the inaugural race no it wasn't it's been 2014 2014 Matt Hansen took it out and Angela Neath so the the winning times have had at these first two editions first year was 812 on the guys and then 808 last year girls were 854 and 856 so it's a reasonably quick old course down there now I was surprised it's got a great field here this year really good field now I would say this field is not quite on par with the race we've just been talking about, the ITU Worlds, but not too far off. I'm really pleased to see Marino Van Holnacker's mm-hmm. name on the list because yeah. I'm glad he's not going to Kona. It's painful watching him over there explode and in, not just explode, but end up in the ambulance. So I'm uh, I'm pleased he's going over there because he's a great some, athlete. But he keeps someone in a job, John. Sorry? He keeps somebody in a job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, then you've got Matt Hansen, Victor Zemensev, Eric Linkerman, Jeff Simons, and then you know, a pretty overall... Pretty big field, um, th- about 35 guys racing all up. So it is a guys only uh, pro race. So Torsten on tryrating.com has got a uh, 59% chance of Marino Van Holnacker taking out, uh, 14% for Matt Hansen and 7% for Victor Semensev and then the others kind of fall in behind there. So um, yeah, often this time of the year we're going, yeah, crappy fields. This is going to be the biggest, tier, the tier. best field at this time of year we've seen. Mm. Oh, it should be great. Uh, a, a, Marino is predicted to come in for a win by uh, 12 minutes, but Matt Hansen, as we know, is a bit of a demon runner, so he can do anything. So good luck to you guys racing Chattanooga. It's the, the, the host, uh, Little Debbie, Chat, Ironman Chattanooga, and they're going to have the 70.3 Worlds there next year. Is it Ironman Morocco coming up as well? Morocco? Morocco. Ma- Mallorca. Mallorca. Thomas Cook, Iron Ma- Ironman Mallorca. Uh, Thomas Cook? Had, yep. What, is it, what was the ad they used to have? Something, book it, Thomas Cook it. Don't book it, Thomas, Thomas Cook, Cook it. it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, last year, Timo Brach took it out in 8.17, and uh, Daniela Simera took it out for Germany as well, 9.24. And this year, um, we have, yeah, on this one, I'd say it is 
a slightly weaker weak field, but still could be some good racing. Oh, 40 pros. Mm. Marcus Fachbach from Germany is there. I've always got to be careful saying that name, I feel. I'm about to drop an F-bomb. <laughs> uh, Constantine Bashor, Horsreichel and Marcel Zamora. So still pretty reasonable field. Um, Richie Nichols there ranked fifth on Torsten's rating. But again, as we haven't said, 40 pros lining up on the boys' side of things. Girls' side of things, Diana Reisler, Emma Bellam and Natasha Smith. Uh, and then they've got about 18, 19 girls. So good to see, especially on the female side of things, we're not having these fields where you've got three or four athletes racing. Now, I would say, you know, it's quite a big spread in terms of the abilities of these athletes, but um, it's always good on the start line, at least, when you've got, you know, 20-odd girls standing there as opposed to some races in the past. You had like three, four, five. It looks pretty poor. So, um, yeah, good luck to everybody racing Mallorca. And outside of Ironman, any other races happening? Nothing of great significance because we've got the ITU World Champs, you've got the Alba Man in Italy and then the KMO in Spain. Okay. Oh, look, the mist coming over, John. Oh, it's lovely. It's the dark of the night. Okay, I mean, uh, it's interesting that when their PR releases now, they're saying, I mean, a WADA sports company, holding company. Not WADA, Wanda. 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 Wanda, sorry. A Wanda sports holding company. It's interesting that's how they kind of, that's the term now, isn't it? Yeah, it's odd. Because is that the bloody... That's a Chinese company that own, owns Iron Man. So they're kind of putting Iron Man as a second tier to the wind mm. sports company. So that's interesting. Anyway, announced today that the addition of the Hamburg Germany is going to be having an Ironman event scheduled for 2017. While Hamburg's port has been considered the gateway to the world for centuries, the Hanseic Metropolis is now settling sales to become a part of the triathlon history by hosting Ironman Hamburg Triathlon on August the 13th. 2017. So, is this the third Iron Distance race in Germany? Uh, is it Regensburg? If they still do Regensburg, there's Challenge Regensburg. There's, there's certainly another one. Yeah, there's, there's Frankfurt and there's another one. They, they've moved around a couple Didn't of times. Challenge Regensburg turn to WTC? No, it's still Challenge Regensburg. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, another race for for Germans. So they obviously think that uh, can sustain it. Um, Hamburg does an amazing job with the ITU, the the race over there. They have really? a sprinter and Olympic, and they just shut the city centre down. This doesn't. Really? I don't know Hamburg geography, but uh, I'm sure that the Germans and, and the Frenchies and stuff do a good job in terms of just going. We're closing all these roads. Screw it. I don't care. Uh, and the public kind of get in behind it. Whereas elsewhere in the world, it's, it seems to be becoming increasingly hard to actually run events because. Uh, uh, people just bitch and moan the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in a population of 1.7 million. So it's maybe twice the size of Auckland. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's facts about, yeah. Uh, it's a major north. Yeah, <laughs> okay, what's the population of Germany, John? I've got absolutely no idea, but I'm going to say 40 million. No, 80 million. Mm. But do you know what? What's the population of Frankfurt? Is Hamburg bigger than Frankfurt? Uh, I would have thought so. Yep, Hamburg, 1.7 million. Frankfurt's only 800,000. Oh, no, I was going to say the other side. The thing, uh, yeah, in, in Europe, as a lot of you guys will know, it's the cities are a lot more spread out and you've got lots of feeder towns and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So. Berlin, 3.5 million. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have known that. No. This is just information galore. Mm. Okay, so Kona News is brought to you by Endurance Sports Travel with Ken Glad team. They've been supporting us on Kona for years, and uh, lots of you guys have actually jumped on board and used in sports, your endurance sports travel, and we always get great feedback about Ken, Ken mm. and his team. They do a bloody great job. So if you are 
probably maybe a little bit late to book Kona, although maybe flick an email to them. Yeah. You never know. Just takes the hassle out of, uh, oh. you just rock up and takes the hassle. You arrive and pick you up and If I didn't Joe, mm. I'd be using yeah. <laughs> sports travel. If you are that person who just doesn't want to think about things and wants to get that service done for you, they do a great job. And it's not just at Kona, they do it in many races all around the world. God, God knows how can you get sleep. Mm. So um, you can check those guys out at endurancesportstravel.com. But here's just some of the tips that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. First of all, John, we've got a, a pretty good lineup sorted out. We have indeed. So I've got plenty, of, I've, I've got a really good mix of some top pros. I've got some second tier pros. Um, I've got a few age groupers. I've got um, one or two coaches. And uh, and then I'm going to be running a camp over there. So we'll hear from athletes that are nest- not necessarily participating in the race, but sort of sort of giving their impressions of what it's all all about. Um, but we we'll also have a couple of opportunities where we want to hear from you guys that have qualified. You're over there and uh, and sort of hear your story. So we're going to be doing the wetsuit aquathon on Thursday morning after the underpants run. So the underpants run I think is at like 7:30 in the morning. So we're pitching for a nine o'clock start um, to be under the big tree by the King Cam Hotel. So if you're keen to do the wetsuit aquathon, basically we we swim out in our wetsuits to the. I'm thinking not this year. Oh, I've got no chance. Yeah. Um, I haven't swam since when last I only mean camp yeah uh, well you swam 3.8k's there so yeah. you're, you're okay. okay so we, we swim out to the, the the coffee boat which is ballpark sort of 400 metres out start there swim to be confirmed whether it's handicap or not I like handicap uh, maybe I should do handicap that creates a bit of interest yeah. uh, then you swim swim on in transition chuck your shoes on you've got to leave your wetsuit on and we should have our i'm i'm talk new i'm talk swim caps there you need to wear them in the run this year mandatory oh you'll put your cap on well, you got to keep keep your swim cap on through through the run you run down to coffees of uh no to lava java and back it's uh it's about just just over a mile so i think it's i think it was two point 1.8 k's or yep. something like that and then you get your wetsuit off as quick as you can yeah, hey. It's going to be a good time. So it's going to be on Thursday morning, nine o'clock start. Or nine o'clock start, being under the big tree by where the, if, if the guys by the King Cam Hotel. It's pretty obvious when you get there. Now, John, we got an email through this week for a photo of the website. So each week, basically, when I'm doing show notes, I always chuck a photo on the website, often of John and I. But if you guys send through photos, we use those ones. And uh, good old Kevin Hunt mm-hmm. sent through his his handle, his I am Talk handle. Well, we call it nickname, but he can call yeah. it handle, is the assassin. And he's got his Iron Talk, his new Iron Talk gear, looking pretty flash. And he sent through a photo wearing the Scream mask, you know, the mm. movie Scream. Uh, and it's a gold photo. And, and we're just bringing that right now because we are actually doing the next batch of Iron Talk gear will be sale, on sale next week. And we're going to have the pink range for anyone yes. who wants to wear pink. And that can be male or female team. Yeah. If you want to wear some pink and you're a guy. All for it. So we've got we've got all the blue, and a regular range or a new regular range plus a pink range. There's there's, there's loads there, guys. There's bike gear. You got bike tops. You got vests. You got um, arm warmers, leg warmers, shorts. Yeah, yeah. that's that's our I am talk laptop kit bag <laughs> doesn't make too much sound. <laughs> Try to really tried too hard to get that Velcro sound coming <laughs> no, across. No, listen, here we go. Yeah, there you go. They are very good. I, I used to have one of these, uh, and it doesn't have. You can hear my Velcro too. It's got the nice little compartment in the front. Yeah, Kinda that's handy. good, isn't it? Kind of yeah. handy. Yeah, so, very good. Um, yeah, so we'll have that uh, up and running hopefully next week, I'm and uh, that'll sort of run through all the way through October. Okay, so other things we have is where there's going to be a couple of times where you can come meet us at the Blue Seventy Suit um, Tent, sorry. And what we'll do is we'll let you know exactly what times they are. We want to hear from you guys. So if you're going to be in Kona, come meet us there. 
is the coffee of Hawaii, does the boat still happen? Yeah, the boat still happens, yep. Okay, it's so not the coffee of Hawaii boat anymore, but Blue 70 sort of uh, basically sponsor it, and then a couple of other companies in the past, it was Cliff Bar and okay, so um, we'll, something we'll, like that. We'll definitely be out on the boat. Um, we're going to have some extreme endurance samples there, uh, and we're going to have some uh, new swim caps there as well, so if you want to grab one of those, um, just come along and check us out. But one of the big pieces of news this week, and this is a great piece of news if you ask me, is that on the 17th of September, Ironman announced the official professional start list for Kona, and the last last athlete on the list was Natasha Badman with the bid number 144. Is there a reason? Is, is that number special? No, no, don't think so. Okay. To commemorate her retirement from professional racing, she received a wildcard slot from Ironman in order to be able to participate in the professional wave. She has made it clear that this will be her last professional race and is, this is a wonderful gesture by Ironman which allows her to end her extraordinary career in an appropriate location, racing the Ironman World Championships in Kona the site of her greatest successes. And this is good use of a wild card. It's interesting because that was from Torsten sort of sent that through from tryrating.com. Yep. And what's interesting about it is, and he sort of alluded to this in an article that he's got on his website, is yes, she's got a wild card to the professional field. So this wouldn't be a big deal or anything. I mean, if she's just got an entry. If she's just got an entry. Yeah. But the fact that she's actually got an entry into the professional start list is is interesting and a point of discussion because Torsten, I said, if they they used to have that wild card as part of the, the, the criteria for, for pros racing if there'd been circumstances that had pre- prevented them from like qualifying. Like if Pro won it last year, oh no, he would have got an entry anyway. But let, Let's say it was but he would have had to validate. Yeah, okay, and he didn't have a chance to validate because he'd been injured all year. You're going, you're going to let him in. Yeah, yep. but Torsten didn't seem to think that that had actually been used at all in any circumstances. And when he looked at the rules, uh, that, that he hadn't seen any mention of this wild card in the last few years, so it's not oh. actually in the listings. So I think they've just decided that they want to do it. Nobody's going to really complain about it, no, it's good and it's not it. it's not like anybody else has missed out. Um, but she's getting to start in the pro race having not qualified. And she, she, she almost qualified. She was just apparently, uh, I think she was the fifth fifth down in terms of just missing out. So I've got absolutely no problem with it. But it's interesting that they... Um, they, would have, really they would have the used it for Lance. Um, you think? I think they would have. I think if, if Lance had been around... He would have qualified. He would no, have no, any. totally. But if, let's say, Lance had turned up and said, I just want to do Kona as a pro, I reckon they would have given it to him. Just the, at the time of the PR, it's just great advertising. Yeah, would I don't have know. Caused a stir. Mm. Definitely, there would have been, but they were quite keen to get Lance on that start line. Mm. You know, and he did, did go through the right steps, and, yeah. and and you know, good on him. He, that's what he wanted to do. But at the same time, yeah, yeah, that would have kicked up a fuss. Oh, that would have been very interesting to see. That to he would have qualified easy. He probably couldn't have raced, but I would have loved it. Yeah, you know, no. not fair, but again, but this is a. This is where you go, you know what? Man, she's she won it eight times, didn't she? No, six times. She yeah, won it six. six times. Yeah. And, you know, last time we were in Kona, was, or the time before, in the last four or five years, she's still got a top 10. Mm. You know, like she's 50. Bloody mm. hell. She's a legend. Other Kona news um, from tryrating.com. He, Torsten has got his Kona rating report coming out 
on the Sunday the 25th, two weeks before the race in Kona. It'll be a 100-plus page PDF document with more information about the race and the pro participants than you'll find anywhere else. Seriously, guys. Definitely well. It over-delivers, man. Dawson puts so much work into this, and we use it as a resource when we're over in Kona. Absolutely. And so it's absolute gold, isn't it? Mm. So you just need, if you make a small donation when you, or a big donation, when you go and get that, um, it's like buying a magazine. So, you know, contribute whatever. And let's be honest, it's better magazine because magazine, magazement's advertising. Yeah. And the same articles after you've read 10 of them. So exactly. So, so check it out, tryrating.com. If, you if you're going to be watching Kona, or even if you're not, go on there, get it, and it'll really help you to understand what's going on in the race and also know the, uh, know the pro athletes a little bit better. Okay, so check that out at tryrating.com, and it's all pretty obvious. If you go to its front page, it's just a little link to it on the right side of the page. And it's a donate as much as you want kind of thing, but obviously mm. he wants $1,000 a copy. Yeah. So that would be really helpful. Um, okay, Jombo, uh, sponsor. We've got an email through from David. Yes, yeah, so David, well, David sent this through to um, actually X Insurance. He, said, and he was just sort of asking about Fuel 5 and whether you should actually use it during during races Racing. and stuff. Yeah. Is, is it sort of a substitute for that? And uh, Robin, who works at X Insurance, said, uh, we're glad you listened to I Am Talk, the I Am Talk guys. And yes, Fuel 5 can and is taken during events and training. Fuel 5 was built for tri and endurance athletes, so the flavour is very light and consistently consistency is thin. General rule of thumb for athletes is we take two scoops per hour um, for a marathon. And she's they've, they've got this sponsored athlete called Zach Bittner, and he is a dude who has got the uh, endurance king. 100 mile American record of 11 hours and 40 minutes. He's also got a 200 kilometer um, record. He's got the sixth fastest 50 mile mile time by an American, uh, 100 kilometre uh, track American record holder, so he is an uber long distance runner. One thing I love about what they've got here is they've got the 12 hour world record. I mm. like the idea of a time record, mm. you know, like because it's, it's, if it's a 100 mile record, once you get over the record you might just go safe, mm. whereas if it's a just how long are you going for, it's, it's kind of a different Playing kind of challenge, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so he's written, in 12 hours he ran 101 miles, 1.7 miles. Mm. <laughs> That's insane. That is insane, isn't it? He says, when racing, I use Fuel 5 and Hydro X based on the intensity, duration, and environment of the race. I do well on approximately 150 to 250 calories per hour and aim to get most of them from Fuel 5. If the event is longer and slower, I aim for the lower end, and as the lower intensity means I will need less high-energy resources, carbohydrates. If it's shorter and fast, I aim for the higher end of the spectrum as my body will be tapping into my higher-energy resources, carbohydrates. So he sort of he uses the hydro x and um also uh, well, he uses fuel five and a little bit of hydro x as well and then just modifies it based on uh based on the intensities he's going so obviously x endurance say yep go for it using a race and it's always nice to get some some testimonials from from top athletes who, who are using it as well so get on it xendurance.com fuel five i think we'll have another email about this because i think nick rose sent us through an email talking about mm. this saying how he's really enjoying pure five john so i just did some kind of stats while you're doing that 12 and a half, 12 hour world record is 101 miles point seven, 101.7 miles he's averaging 13 and a half k's an hour for 12 hours mm. that's pretty impressive isn't it so it's not mucking around not not mucking around and no. it's just it's not it's not hard relatively speaking for, for you and i it's not that fast running but for but 12 hours, hours. <laughs> yeah. once you get past sort of six hours of running i mean i've only ever run i think the longest run i've done is is four hours yeah, um, I've never done long actually running. what was kind of maybe kind of was a little <laughs> bit longer than that uh but you guys all know that once you get past three hours man 
just just running easy, your legs really start to die. Oh man, and just yeah, that's pretty impressive. Okay, um, discussion of the week. Last week we were just kind of wondering who's going to be the dark horse, and so we kind of said with Kona coming up, we've got you know the obvious people who we think are going to make the podium. But every year in the top five, or do we even say top three? Uh, in the top bunch of athletes, there is that one dark horse who comes through and surprises us. It was Ben Hoffman a couple of years ago. He was the, he was the mm. one, wasn't he? Um, you know, there's people who just come out of nowhere. And so we wanted to know, who do you think are going to be the dark horses in Kona this year? Uh, Chrissy McKinley says uh, Tim, Tim Van Burkle. He was seventh last year and has had some great performances this year. And hopefully if she makes the start line, Mel Holscheidt could also be Heather Wirtle's year to be on the podium. Okay, Simon Early's got, I think, Joe Skipper as well, although he pulled out of the half Ironman on Sunday with a puncture and was going really well up to then. So, yep. He did. He was in Ironman New Zealand this year. He was... Uh, yeah, he's he definitely he's awesome. showing his other pedigree, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Especially if a few of those bikers can get together and mm. um, and and light it light it up. Anna Shulikov, Luxford for the girls. I was I don't think she was racing. Maybe she is. And uh, Rudy Wild for the boys. And uh, Duncan Penfold's got Mel Hushfold. Uh, Morton Newby uh, Norby Paulson reckons Lionel Sanders on the boys' side and Camilla Peterson on the girls. Brett Johnson. Brett Johnson's got Tim Reed for the males and Carrie Lester for the females. Tim Reed, would that be a shock? He's like a, he's a, he's a seventy point three guru. Yeah, no, he's, no, it would be. He's done nothing. He, he did win. Was it Ironman Australia this year? He, he won a race, but, but of those championship levels. Yeah, he, he still has not shown that he's the real deal in Kona. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it'd be a shock, but on form you wouldn't you wouldn't put him in your top three. Okay, Carrie Lister, she had amazing challenge wrote. So I, I would agree with that one. Good old James um, Corlett's got Will Clark for me. We'll see him and David McNamee. McNamee. McNamee on the top five. And Will Clark's actually responded. <laughs> Is he? He's gone, thanks. We'll try. We'll be interesting <laughs> because that championship race like Kona are big packs on the bike and you've got to be a part of it to get a good result. So, Well, we should hopefully have Will Clark on the show and David McNamee because we're going along to the the Uplace BMC media conference and, uh, and so we'll make sure we get those Pommy boys on for you. Yeah, we'll click for us anymore. We'll get you on the show any other time as well. Um, Jesse Thomas, yeah, Zani the Stalker Morrison says Jesse Thomas and Heather Wurtel. Good old Ian Gillian's got uh, Echo and Collins thoughts. Echo Collins <laughs> thoughts. Uh, Joe Skipper. Nick de Boolean, Jesse Thomas. Uh, Colin Fraser's got Susie Cheatham for the females, Joe Skipper for the men. Joe's getting a lot of love here. Susie Cheatham, she, she, that's, a, that's a good call. She she still very new to things, and she uh, she was right up, ran right up there last year. The, the pom, there's a lot of pom love on here, a lot of pom love. Um, Dave, another one for David McNamee says Rob uh, Jolliffe. Tim Martindale says Josh Amberger. Oh, I thought you said David McMurray was saying Rob Jolliffe. I was like, no. Rob Jolliffe, oh, he's a, he's a legend. And uh, <laughs> Sam Tompkins also says Joe Skipper. Okay, so Joe Skipper is getting the love yeah. all over the place, and a lot of the other pommies are as well. So I'm just pulling what, what up. Do you, what do you if you say, like, um, like a, a one, like, oh, God, who's the guy who won it a few years ago, but hasn't done much since? Pete, Pete Jacobs, Frederick Van Laird. Yeah, it was those two. Yeah. Because they would almost be a bit of, you know, they both haven't done a lot, but of a pedigree who could. You won't see my picks for on, on tryrating.com. I've submitted mine. I don't know if you submitted oh, yours. You okay. said, oh, can you, can you reply to this? I said, well, I replied, but... Okay, Thorson, wait, my picks. Yeah. Well, I'm not allowed to find out now. No, if I, I'm not going to say what I Is said that, to Torsten, but if I had to pick one person one who would be a bit of a dark horse coming, I think I will actually go with Tim Reed as well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a safe pick. 
hasn't done anything in Kona. He's done nothing in Kona. Not even remotely close. Like, he could go... <laughs> Tim, you have to, he listens to Joe sometimes. All right, no. You've done nothing, Tim. You've he, done nothing. He hasn't got a top 10. And I don't even know. I'm certain he hasn't got a top 10. He may have got a top 20. But you could go something. Say if you could say... Andreas Rally, you can't because he's been there before. You could say Tim Don. Um, there's lots of guys who could do... You could say Lionel Sanders. You, some people say that's a pretty safe bet. Um yeah, there's, there's lots of guys that could do that. You've got to say, Jan Fredino's is a raging hot favourite, but as we saw from the weekend, there's no no sure things in, in any of this racing. And you say, it'd be very surprising if Fredino or Keenlay didn't win, but anybody can make that, that podium. Not anybody, girls? but... Girls side of things, let's have a bit of a look down here. I'm intrigued to see how this girls race goes this year. Because Dan, Daniela Reef was um, terrible at the 70.3 Worlds, but awesome everywhere else. Still got to put your money, you put, you know... You Girls side of things, where am I look, looking here? While John's it. doing this, I'm just going to do, each week what we're going to do, John, is while we do the discussion, we're going to do visitors post on our page, because we never give it any love. Mm. Good old uh, Martin Geis, G-A-I-S-S, how would you say that one? I'm not looking at it, so I wouldn't Gaze. have a clue. Yep. Joe's yep. giving me the nod. Uh, when is IM Talk Aquathon happening? Well, we just talked about that. It's going to be happening on Wednesday, Thursday morning, after the Andy Run, 9 o'clock meeting at the Big Tree. Got a Rod Cummings has got been listening to the Legends of Triathlon podcast, and they are brilliant. Especially love the banter each week you guys try to give uh, in the outro. Yep, love that. Uh, Ian, I'm going to say, hmm, Blatlock? He just listened to the last week's show, and as usual, excellent as usual, but John's sound was quality was perfect, and Bevan was abysmal, and there's a reason for this. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise that I was I was recording from my computer. Uh-huh. I, when I set it up, I didn't go into assistance preferences, and I plug my mic in, and it normally just automatically turns on. Stupid Apple computers. Yeah, so unfortunately, I was recording through my computer's mic, not my the mic, and I had the mic in front of me. Rookie. Yeah, it was a rookie, rookie. Mistake, can't deny it. And uh, so there you go. Noel Williams, and I'm going to be talking about this a little bit later on, saying that actually there was great support in Wisconsin. I don't want to jinx her, but I'll go Carrie Lester for the girls. Okay. I, I hate picking because I always jinx people and they just do terribly. Oh, so Tim Reed say you, you insult me and then you pick me, so I'm going to have no hope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I, I, I'm going to pick you, Tim, as well. Tim, and I'm going to say Mel Hellshot, child. Yeah, it's definite, definite chance. Yep. Okay. Um, although I like the idea of one of the old, like a Pete, Pete Jacobs. Actually, I'm going to pick Pete Jacobs. He's on a new bike I saw yesterday. Oh, there you go. He's on one of those. It's not a. It's not a. It's it's like, like a the old soft frame. Bat, no, like a badman one. Like the old a cheetah. Cheetah. It's not the cheetah, but it's um. It's like that. It's like the venom or something like that. Because that would be a surprise if he pulled off a top five. Mm. You know, like we know he's of that level. Oh, absolutely, be a massive surprise. Yeah. So I'm going to say Pete Jacobs. Okay. Um, Jumbo, this week's discussion. So for those who have raced Kona in the past, which is many of you, and I know we've got lots of people who haven't, and maybe quite a few of you who it's going to be the first time this year. So for those of you who have done that, what has surprised you about the course that maybe no one could have prepared you for until you'd done the course? And what makes it harder than any other course you have done? Or maybe it hasn't even done that. Mm. So what surprised you about the Kona course? What do you wish you knew beforehand? And what makes it harder than any course you've done before? Mm. There we go. John, I'm going to chuck some music on because we're about to geek out. Website of the week. week. Now, John, we got a great discussion sent through to us by Swanee Noah. Speedwalker Swanee. Swanee Noah is is not just a great athlete, fast runner, good Mm -hmm. triathlete. Kind of qualifier. Kind of qualifier. He's done a sub nine? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
not even close. He's done some impressive run splits, but no, his biking and swimming is uh, not sub nine hour material. I'm just how convinced you were of that. <laughs> no, he's not him. joining my club. <laughs> okay, well, it's funny, you know, but also an intelligent man, John. He's got it all. He's got it all. Yeah. And the reason is he put through a really good question a few weeks ago, and actually we got quite a few responses about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question was basically, and, and actually the person we're going to give the most love to in the answer here because they put a lot of work into this is a guy called Scott Watkins and he basically has a website called tryjedi.com and he obviously likes to geek out on the bigger subjects and uh, the question we put on the show was and, and first of all well done on this article because what he's put here is good so the question was posed on the episode 532 of the popular triathlon podcast we're very popular John yes. uh, when something like this the top marathon runner runs around two hours and four to five minutes and he's saying whilst the Ironman equivalent e.g. Ironman event with top Ironman athletes is Kona where the run following a 180k bike is around 245 so the top marathon run is around about 25% faster than the top Ironman run with the top Tour de France rider do a 180k solo bike what is the difference between the top riders at Tour de France and the top riders at Kona's does it also equal about 25%? So that's kind of the question that he normally throw at us. Hmm. And um, yeah, no, so he's, he's, go, th- go through to tryjedi.com and you can have a good read of this because he's got a lot of information here. We're not going to go through through all of it. Um, but he does point out, you know, there's some, some pretty different facts. You know, when you go to Kona, especially, it's obviously really hot. And the difference between riding in the heat versus riding in cooler mm. conditions is nowhere near as different as running in those really hot conditions as opposed to say running a Berlin Marathon or a London Marathon when it's pretty moderate conditions so we're just taking this with all a bit of a grain of salt but um, he's really saying you know if we look at the say a 203 versus say a 238 he, he sort of referenced Mark Allen's um, course record over in Kona which was two forty something but and apparently they say that they include transition so he's saying oh, Maybe 238. He's calling it 238. So he's saying 203 versus 238, that's a 28% increase. And then he started referencing um, Norman Stadler's ride in Kona. uh, And he really came out there. He he looked at a a UK guy who'd done a 100-mile record in three hours 18, or that was rounding it up to... Well, he, he worked out 3.18 compared to Stadler's 3.50. I think he took Stadler's time and took it down to 100 miles because this other guy, Bidot, okay. was, had a 100-mile record and he said, okay. well, yep. Kona is, is more than 100 miles, so he worked out Stadler's time to be 3.50, um, and so that's a 16% increase. So there's your difference on the bike. That's comparing Stadler against a guy who set the British 100-mile record, um, so a smaller percentage difference on the bike so the cyclists are actually closer to the fastest cyclists in the world than what mm. the runners are to the fastest runners but you would say when he's comparing that um that bido guy is probably not the best cyclist in the world so in the running side of things we are comparing it to the best run time and you're just not going to get tour de france riders doing 180 kilometer time trial um so skill as well, isn't yeah it? so whilst that do- increase is um is is less in the uh, less difference in, on the bike. You're probably not quite comparing apples with apples, mainly because you don't have the stats for riding 180 kilometres. So he's also got a couple of other points in there in terms of one stage where there was a guy. I think it was Tony Martin did a sort of a solo breakaway on a on a Tour de France stage, which yep. is not necessarily a time trial, but 
you know, there or thereabouts and sort of compared that. So go check it out on tryjedi.com. And what he's also done, he's gone, he got pretty excited on this topic. Yeah, he went, and, he went, uh, he went and, he, and he's carried on and done uh, a Olympic comparison distance. over Olympic distance. And I think that's where we can maybe get some more data. He actually compared Alistair, I think it was Alistair Brownlee's times. But I'd be really interested to see, you know, actually a power file from, because you will see there will be some 40 kilometre individual time trial cycling power files and there will be some 40 kilometer non-drafting files out there and if we could get that, that information I think comparing the 10k times and the 40 kilometer times in moderate conditions will be a lot more I wouldn't say interesting but uh, a lot more relevant than perhaps looking at Kona conditions. So we kind of say in long course and iron distance the, the top pros are about 20 to 25 percent behind the best in the, in the individual sports mm. you know because you're saying we said it was 16 but if you know if we actually got the best it's probably going to be a couple behind that so it's going to be somewhere closer to 20 percent mm. um and then in the in the run it's about 25 percent. so basically they're about 25 to 20 percent lower mm. and i wonder if the swim because in the swim you could actually always look at those long the olympic championships now couldn't you but that's a pack swim as well but yeah a bit harder isn't it yeah um it's hard to know, but you, you look at some of the top swimmers in the field are Olympic standard swimmers, like a Potts or something yeah. like that. They're not they're not good Olympic swimmers. No. They're just just qualified. Yeah. So, um, but they're often been the Olympic swimmers at shorter distances. Not mm. that, you know, like what's what's the distance of the Olympic long race? Ten k. Yeah. yeah. So if you look at someone like that, in comparison again, but that's double what we're doing in Ironman. But Great discussion, and we actually had a couple other people even, send through some email. Even Clola sent one through, and he said, uh, I wanted to drop you guys a note after hearing about it. He said that, that again, this Richard Bideau guy set a 100-mile record in 3.18.54, which is amazing. If you add on 12% to that time to compare to the 112 miles, he would complete the Ironman bike split in roughly 3 hours, 42 minutes, 17% faster than the talked about 4.20 Kona bike split. However, if you look at the fastest ever Ironman bike split by Andrew Starkowitz in Florida, it's uh, 4.04 is only 9% faster. And we've got to remember that Starkowitz did that and then got off and ran a marathon yeah, versus the Beto guy is uh, is just doing and he's time actually, trial. And what's Evans done really well is he's not a sexist pig like us because he's mm. at the females. Yes. Yeah. Julia Shaw competed the 100-mile time trial in 3 hours 45, which means an Ironman bike split of around about 4.12, assuming the Kona bike split of 4.44 by Karen Thurig in 2011 puts Karen only 13% off the time. As for fastest bike split by Chrissy Wellington at Challenge Road, it's 4.36, it's only 9.5% back. So again, we're not comparing with uh, the best cyclists in the world, but Karen Thurig, she was, uh, I'm pretty sure she went to the Olympics for time trialling as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, how's the one, Zlatko? Zlatko. Coast, like that. Okay. He uh, he pointed out the Tour de France 180 kilometer time. You're not going to get a Tour de France 180 kilometer time trial, um, but he sort of pointed how, out. How cool would that be if they did? But that'd be interesting. That would really blow the race apart, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, it would destroy the race, but wouldn't it? Because if you won that, you're kind of going to win the race. Exactly. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And uh, he, he was just pointing out that in the 2013 Tour de Spain, Tony Martin did a massive breakaway. He broke away in the first kilometres, rode 175 kilometres on stage six. He was caught metres before the finish line. Oh. That happens so often. Uh, oh. He rode solo all day on a regular road bike. No time trial handlebars allowed on road stages. He ultimately finished seventh in three hours 54. Uh, he did get the combative. Activity a jersey for that day, uh, so he did three hours fifty four for one hundred and seventy five. And how good's Tony Martin? He's a world time trial champion. Okay, so he's yeah, okay, he's, so he's, he's a business. Okay, so so actually, that's probably about closest mm. we're going to get to see in real figures, isn't it? But again, he's not on a time trial bike, and who knows what the the terrain of that course would would be like. So yeah, great discussion, but mm. it's what you know, speed walker, legend. Exactly, Have really interesting. But so ultimately, and the girls is actually a little bit closer. Mm-hmm. You know, and the guys. Although, did we have the run there? They only had the bike. Oh yeah, because um, I wonder what the difference in the girls' run is. The fastest run is probably closer, isn't it? Oh, definitely be because because Chrissy's. Well, what's Rennie's record? In two fifty one, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's it's there or thereabouts. And versus what's the world record? The okay, ma- females' world record. I'm going to say it's about two eighteen. Okay, you, you talk like for that. a second. I'll find that out. Um, oh. Because I. Don't, I'm wondering if Paula Radcliffe still got it, but I reckon around 2.18, something like that. I think they normally go low 220s at most races, but I think it's about 2.18. Okay, female world record. Marathon. Um, second, Is it still Paula Radcliffe, even with that bobbling head of hers? Yeah, but God, the girl can run. Yes. Um, okay, let's have a look. Females, males, 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 men, 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 women. God, this chauvinistic pig website. Oh, still... 215 215 and it's Paula Radcliffe in 2003 she Mm. she, so she took the record so she took the record first so 217 in um, in 2000 at the Chicago Marathon in 2002 and then so she was pretty good form here so in 2002 she did a 217.18 at the Chicago Marathon in October 13th so then in April so five months later well, six months later, she went to in the London Marathon. She did a two fifteen twenty five. Mm. Then, so she's three minutes ahead. That's bloody impressive. Because you look at the men. So if we look at the men's marathon records, here's the men. Here's the men. Yep. There's, there's the, lots of them go close in the the men. So you've got you've got far out. Fifteen guys within three minutes of the real world record. Mm. You look at hers. She's got three minutes. There's nobody. You know, and then after that, there's only two people under two twenty. And then once you get into two twenties, it's a bit more populated. But yeah, she's she was impressive, wasn't she? Very. So Hit me with some music, Bevan. Okay. What, what kind of music do you want, John? Science music. <laughs> Here we go. Science. <laughs> Science. Coach's Corner slash John Science Spot. I'll tell you what, that song was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> we should do that more often. <laughs> hope your hope your other recording music is of equal quality. John, it's not as good as that because mm. <laughs> that was absolute gold. Okay, tell us about you. Right, so... Week like, three. Yeah, week three. Uh, so really what I'm trying to do here is summarise some scientific papers. Not really necessarily give my opinion, just well, summarising what I think. You're your 10-minute speech. Okay. <laughs> You've got, okay, I'm starting the clock. Okay. okay. You've got three minutes. Next next study that I looked at was uh, the 
Western States Endurance Run, which is a 161-kilometer ultramarathon through the so Sierra so Nevada. I don't think I talked about this week, but if I did, you're no, no, double you, dose. You, you definitely haven't talked about this one. This is uh, 5,500 meters of elevation climb over 161Ks. That just sounds nuts. Anyway, the study, they had 157 participants, and what they were doing in the study, they did a pre-race questionnaire sort of asking about um, athletic background, um, predicted times, all that sort of stuff, and then they take a blood sample before the race and immediately after the race, um, really to look at your electrolyte levels. The, the reason this study interested me is it's a lot longer than your Ironman race. 30 hours. Sort of, you know, around 30 hour mark. But they also, what they were looking at a bit more closely than the ones I talked about last week was the intake rate of sodium um, that athletes were having. So they weren't giving them supplements, but they were monitoring what athletes were taking. The results were that 14.3% of the group cramped, 26.8% were near cramp. The overall findings of the study was that hydration status intake rate of sodium in supplements and serum sodium concentrations that's your electrolytes in your in your body did not differ between those with cramping and those without cramping um, interesting points with this was that 94 percent of those in the study use sodium supplements so despite me sort of going through i think that's the fourth study i've had all saying you can't really influence your sodium levels through supplementation people are still thinking and, and I've had this in the last week which has been really funny talking to the athletes that I coach that, that may have cramped in a race they said oh yeah I didn't take much electrolytes and I was like wow yeah, well, <laughs> the science is telling us yeah. this science uh, they, they also found in the study that athletes who did cramp had so higher CK levels um, that really indicates your CK levels sort of your muscle trauma so indicating that the athletes that did cramp may well have been operating at a higher intensity relative to others so that was potentially the reason why they cramped well, another thing with a race like this is who can train for 30 hours mm. so it's not even just the intensity but maybe just the length of because mm. you know no one well I don't know how these guys train because it's a different kind of sport to what I've done but you know I can't imagine many of them doing 30 hour training sessions no not at all you know and so in some ways is it not just the fact that it's a high level of fatigue but it's a high level of duration as well mm. absolutely mm. next one I looked at was uh, this was an interesting one um, uh, the effects of different sodium supplementations in replacement fluids during prolonged exercise in women by uh, Thwer and Bold in 2003. They got 13 female subjects and they had to complete four hour runs around a 400 meter track. They did it three like a four times. four hour run or four one four, hours? Four hours and they did it on three consecutive weekends. So four hours running around a track one week mm. and you're trying to run as far as you can in four hours. The next week you're doing another four hours and the next week you're doing another four hours. That's a good way of doing it but isn't it? Because you can although temperature will change things, but it, you're getting consistent results from the same people. You would hope so, but you also maybe get a bit of a trained effect yeah. as you're going through. Yeah. That's the thing with science. It's never never exact. Well, they try to be exact. Um, what they were doing here is a bit of a randomised trial. So the athletes were given either um, a high-sodium concentration drink, a low-sodium concentration, low sodium concentration drink, or no-sodium concentration. What they had to do, though, they had to drink a litre of fluid each hour for the four hour duration. And what was the thing which behind is a, that? Does it explain that? Well, um, it was, the one point I want to make is the temperature was not particularly high. It was only 5.3 degrees to 19 degrees. Over, so, over the four weekends? Yeah, so, the, so it was pretty low temperatures. I think I think it was done in Canada. And they took um, blood samples, again, measuring electrolytes and also um, weight changes. So they were looking a bit more at hyponatremia. And if you can okay. drink certain amounts with sodium in it, um, what's going to happen to your, your sodium? levels within your body um, with or without 
Well, they they st- they looked at both. Okay. So they looked at okay. if you take a high const high electrolyte drink, or just is, water, or just water, is there going to be a difference? And what they found was the replacement of sodium was only beneficial if the total fluid loss was replaced. So, if you can keep taking in the amount that you're you're sort of sweating out or you're using, then you can sort of maintain your sodium levels. Versus if you take in say less fluid but you're taking in say the same amount of sodium then you're not able to maintain that hopefully that makes sense so so you've got to drink a lot with sodium uh, with your electrolytes in it versus if you say drink less with the same amount of uh, electrolytes you're not going to be able to have a lot that's what they that okay. was they, that's what they found. The downfall this in this study did actually get um it's pretty small sample size too, isn't it? Small sample size, yeah. but it did actually get slagged off by one of the other studies that I presented previously. Okay. Um, but the thing for me is it's just not practical to do this. No. Uh, to drink that much uh, drink that much fluid, especially in those temperatures. So didn't really find it um, overly useful. Um, then the last couple that I looked at were pr- both pretty similar, both done Ironman South Africa. The first one was a fairly large study I by a guy, these ones. Hugh Butler, did I? Oh, maybe. Go Keep going. Okay, I'll quickly, quickly go through it. It was a randomised trial where they basically were giving athletes um, uh, sodium tablets, salt tablets, or a placebo, or no tablets. Oh, nice. And so you got uh, you had a big sample size of 413 athletes, uh, and it was at Ironman South Africa. So it's nice and specific, basically saying salt tablet group, placebo group they were having tablets they didn't know what they were getting and no supplements and they basically found in that study and then there was another one by um, Dale Speedy that was done in 2002 a smaller group but basically the same protocol and the, they were given uh, sort of 600 to 700 milligrams of salt per hour during the race and they really found that they were not able to infl- uh, so sodium supplementation was not necessary to prevent the development of hyponatremia in the athletes who lost weight indicating that only um, basically saying that taking the sodium in wasn't really influencing uh, How did we have on cramps. a while ago who was talking about that? Was it, was it Paul like, Larson. Paul Larson was talking about it, wasn't mm. he? <coughs> you know, we've got so much sodium in our body. It's a dropper. It's, it's, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, a, it's a, like a, a drop a in the ocean. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I guess summary of all these studies, and this is what I'll be presenting today, is you really can't influence um, your sodium levels through through supplementation on race day. And what you've got to be really careful of, because I'm also going to be talking about hyponatremia in my talk, is that's the real dangerous side of things. Is mm. if you drink too much water, you're going to get yourself and get yourself into some real strife. And that's you where people, problems, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's where people have actually died is by drinking too much. So the common message, and we've had that before, um, but it doesn't seem to be getting through to a lot of people, is sort of drink to drink to thirst and um, sodium supplementation, based on the science, doesn't really uh, doesn't prevent cramps and. Uh, yeah, is is it's really hard to influence your sodium levels through so supplementation. What are, you, what, what are you saying to what's <coughs> what's your advice to the athlete listening to this who kind of thinks that their endurance, I mean, their electrolyte drink is the key to their success? Well, it certainly indicates that it's not. Um, I didn't see anything in the studies, and I don't think it's doing you any harm to take sodium mm. in during so the race. Yeah, drain, but isn't it? But it's um, yeah, it's not really necessary. And I think the key message I'd be getting across to people is. Try not to get too carried away with your fluid intake, even if you're racing in really crazy hot environments. Dehydration is not usually a, re- a really major problem, and you can <clears throat> perform really well being in a dehydrated state. Uh, so just maybe chill out a little bit on the fluids. So what we still want to use, I would say thirst as your gauge, but mm. be a bit topped up. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you start, be a little bit topped up before you start. Mm. 
I'd have to find some science back yeah, that. But we'll, you, you, we'll, don't yeah. be, you don't want to be dehydrated going to the yeah, race. Yeah, that's it. And you don't, but you also don't want to be low levels. Yeah. In the past, though, we got told to drink, drink, drink before races. And I think a lot of people are going in, um, watering down their systems. So I haven't got any research to back that okay, up this right, right here and now. Well, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying overconsume, but I'm saying make sure you've got something in the tank before you start. But I think a lot of people do overconsume going okay. to race. They're walking around with a drink bottle the whole bloody time. Yeah. And, and I think that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna put some more music on. So interesting stuff. Is it the last of this? It is for now. Good luck with you, you today. You took eight minutes, so. You well <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's uh, here's some more music. <laughs> My first try. try. Okay, this one got sent through. We've got bullet points here, John. Uh, good old Andrew Weston. Uh, Andrew, the mystery man, Weston. And my first try was in 2000, uh, year 2000, in June, in Muskoka. 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 Site of the 1991. No. Here we 90, go. Here we go. 92 World Championships. Where was 91? Edmonton. Gold Coast. Uh, Good try, though. <laughs> I went with confidence. Edmonton was last weekend. Yeah, okay. Last, <laughs> last, year. last year, I think. Okay. Uh, and, and in Canada, basically. He rented a sleeveless wetsuit my first time in a wetsuit ever. Tried it out in the apartment, uh, building the swimming pool at the apartment the day before the race. Felt well, but okay. Biked on my 45-pound mountain bike. I remember lots of people passing me. I was nearly, but not quite, last back to T2. A hilly run, legs and lungs burning. My race report concludes with, I'm not sure about this triathlon thing. It seems complicated to me. <laughs> it's very good. Yes. Uh, little do I know that it would suit me so well. 16 years later, I'm still rocking, loving the sport so much. So there we go. Excellent. Andrew, Andrew, mystery man, Weston. Okay, Jumbo, let's, let's, uh, let's do a sponsor now. Sponsor. Athlinks.com. Yep, tell me about it. If I got an email through this morning, get on their get on their mailing list because uh, you can now go and to enter to win a Panasonic massage chair valued at over three and a half thousand. Do you know what, John? I'm a fan of those massage chairs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it seems like I'd, if I was really wealthy, maybe I'd invest in one. But but when you like when you go to a store and they've got one of those good ones, mm. no, it's not the same as having a massage. Admittedly. But mm. they do a pretty good job. Mm. The, the real high end ones are, are pretty. You know, you know, just just gets in there. And, and whenever we're in an airport, if I'm at an airport where it's overseas mm-hmm. and it's a cheap place like in Asia, mm. I'll sit on that chair for an hour because you can pay two dollars and get an hour's worth. Yeah. And I'll just let it rip my body. So I, I'm a fan of them. Yeah. Yep. So I'm going to. So get on there and uh, enter. And it's brought to you by Big Ring and Lifetime have partnered up to gear up this triathlon season with a series of amazing and unique prize matters packages so each month through november we are offering you the opportunity to each enter month through november every week each month through to november that, okay sorry yeah maybe yeah, through through november we are offering an opportunity to enter the chance of win of a featured prize package into monthly no purchase necessary to enter or win so this month you win a massage chair after entering make sure you check out the big ring bike insurance from trans america to protect your bike and accessories from theft or damage i always get asked about bike insurance so here you go you check it out we're on athlinks uh supporters is a big bike a big ring bike insurance uh so check it out and get yourself a massage here on athlinks.com not only is it a great place to store all your results but also a great place to get some wicked prizes 
Check yeah. it out. And, and, and their Facebook page. They've just, you know, they're quite good at sharing some good articles as well. So make sure you follow them in other ways as well. So ethnics.com, guys. If you are on there, we've been talking about quite a bit lately. It's easy to do. And once you go on there, you go, man, I wish I'd done this earlier because it's got all my results. I don't have to go searching for a lot of them. They'll actually be there if you just put your name mm. in. So make sure you check it out. Ethlinks. Dot com. Dot com. Questions and answers. Oh, oh, we've, got, we've, got an, we've got an interview. Oh, that's we've got an be, yeah. Sorry, interview. So, interview. interview coming up with uh, Rob Wilby from teamoxygenaddict.com. We're going to be talking about reverse periodization. Oh, here we go. Okay, guys, we've got uh, Rob Wilby from team.oxygenaddict.com along with us. And we've got a topic that I love discussing that Rob... Uh, enjoys as well reverse periodization for season planning so rob welcome back to the show thanks very much john it's great to be back on man it's uh, it's good to talk to you guys again now um obviously for you guys in the uk it's um and obviously the northern hemisphere athletes it's uh the season's winding down you know there are still a few late season ironman races but people are going to start thinking about what they want to do next year and um, and hopefully starting to, to plan their off-season and, and planning their build-ups. So reverse periodization, I've, I've sort of vaguely mentioned a few times on the show before, but give us an, give us an overview of reverse periodization in coaching and, and, and for those that haven't heard about it, what, what it's all about and what it means. Okay, so like you said, unfortunately for us, I think you guys are starting to get the summer and we're definitely losing it here. It's, it's going dark at about seven o'clock now, so I'm thinking, oh man, it's time to wheel out the turbo trainer again. <laughs> um, so I guess like the idea of reverse periodization is if you look at uh, the traditional way of training, it was always like lots of long, slow miles during the winter. And then as you approach your race season, you start doing shorter and harder stuff and try and get yourself in inverted commas in better shape for your goal race. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of um, good theory behind that. But the biggest challenge, I think, for most age groupers is they simply haven't got very much time to do those long, slow miles. You know, a lot of guys have got busy jobs and families and they might be lucky to find an hour a day during the winter time. There isn't any daylight to train anyway. And if they've got jobs that are working during the time, there is that daylight there. So this idea of reverse periodization is basically meaning we're going to train shorter and harder and more intensely during the winter time. And then, you know, it's especially good for Ironman and half Ironman athletes because it also fits with the idea of training specifically for your event the closer you get to your event. So basic idea is you train short and hard and fast during the winter when you don't have much time or daylight and then as you transition to outside during the springtime you can then do the, the longer more aerobic miles and prepare specifically for the longer demands of um, of your Ironman or half Ironman. Absolutely and um, and I'd really echo what Rob's saying there because at the moment you know I'm going to start doing a a rote build-up which is um, not quite 12 months away but it's I know it's, it's less than 12 months but um, when you're in that phase of race build-up for me to try to do you know one minute reps or really really high intensity stuff you can't do it when you've got that that sort of that volume in there as well just because you're, you're too tired to be to be able to to achieve those sort of top levels so Rob is this something you sort of bring into into the overall sort of team program um, across the board or to sort of people pick and choose what they want to do as they, in terms of what they want to do in their off season? Yeah, well, pretty much we go with this. We go with this idea that um, we periodize the winter. Now, whether that's, you know, if they're a Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere athlete, we'll sort that out accordingly. But in the period that's longest away from their races, so if we pick a, a Northern Hemisphere athlete who's probably going to be racing in June or July, we'll typically have October as a, a 
down or rest and recovery month and then get them to the shape where by the time they start November, we've kind of got November, December, January and February to focus on four months of, of how I think we can spend the time most effectively. And that's pretty much concentrating on two really high quality bike sessions on the indoor trainer every week and one third longer ideally an outdoor ride but you know the weather doesn't usually play ball so we give them an alternate third ride that they can do on the trainer um but even that ride's only up to an hour and a half long so the two main sessions are only an hour long um the good news is we've got a lot of experience of getting athletes very fit and we're really confident in the sort of training sessions that we give you know we've got evidence that they really do the job the bad news is that you've got to be prepared to do the hard work you can't just kind of like sit on the turbo trainer and watch netflix and poodle along Mm -hmm. for 45 Mm -hmm. minutes and think you're going to get fast you've got to be prepared to do 30 to 40 minutes of hard work at around your kind of threshold or you know your one hour time trial kind of power level um and the good news is that tends to make the time pass by quite quickly anyway so uh so by doing that for either an eight-week block or two eight-week blocks we tend to find that athletes get to the springtime with a massively improved ftp and so when they transfer that to riding outdoors for the same effort they're riding one two three kilometers an hour faster and as they start to do their longer more aerobic stuff specific for their ironman or half ironman they're already much faster and they're covering that ground at a greater speed so for the athletes who kind of stick to this plan and do the reverse prioritization and successfully are there some common traits that you see that they implement um the, the basic one is really around the mindset, Bev. That's a really good question. People who are going to succeed at this have got to be prepared to basically go, okay, I'm just going to do what the plan says. I'm not going to second guess it. I'm not going to do loads of extra stuff because as John just mentioned, training really hard and to really high quality indoor sessions a week is going to make you really tired. So they've got to be prepared to follow the plan. And there's a little bit of suspension of disbelief involved in it, really. <laughs> mm. um, but I mean, we're looking now. We've we've had, I mean, I've got five years of clients I've coached personally that way. And then we've got a year's worth of people who've been in the team now who have all gone, you know, I didn't really believe you at first, but now we can kind of show people numbers and say, look, last year, you know, people improved between, you know, most people are in the sort of five to nine percent improvement in FTP over an eight week block. And there were some outliers that were up to like 15 to 20 percent. But, you know, that's not a typical result. So. So, yeah, the mindset is basically I'm prepared to do the hard work twice a week, put all my effort into it and believe that it's going to work essentially mm, are you making me think about my session i've got to do this afternoon it's not it's going to be it's going to be a tricky one it's going to be ugly <laughs> it's going to be 12 by one minutes going well the, the thing about those sessions i was saying on oh, the show man. today just how i did a hard session said they that hard but they're the most rewarding sessions as well aren't they mm. you, you come off a session like that and you just feel on top of the world if you do it well mm. yeah and the endorphin rush you get from it yeah. afterwards is certainly better than sitting on the couch, isn't it? Mm. So, what in terms of um, if the if your athletes are going to be taking you know approach to some high intensity cycling um, during that sort of block, what's your general approach with regards to sort of your swimming in the off season and and also running during that period? That's a great question, man. So, what we we tend to do during this period, the, the hard work is done on the bike, and so the running tends to be frequent and easy or steady. So, again, another thing athletes say to me is like, I can't understand how I'm ever going to get faster at running if all you've ever got me doing is running around at Jack Daniel's easy pace. 
And I sort of say, well, look, the idea of the run training during this period is your cardiovascular work's being taken care of on the bike. Your run training is there to give you durability for next year. So we're going to bulletproof you in terms of injury. By running slow and easy, you're going to get strong ligaments and tendons. Your knees and ankles will be really well protected by the time it comes around to springtime. And as I mentioned, as that bike intensity drops off, we can then ramp up the intensity in terms of either speed or distance for the athletes. And they find that, you know, athletes have come to us with a history of running problems. They just don't get these injuries anymore because I've made them run for 16 weeks really slowly and not had them done any hard work. So, so the run stuff is actually, you need to get your head around the fact that you will get faster. And there's a lot of evidence of athletes who, you know, all the way back to Lydiard's coaching, lots of frequent slow running can really improve your summer season. Um, in terms of swimming, what I say to guys is, look, you've got to divide yourself into one of two groups. If you're the kind of swimmer that's like middle of the pack or better, you're probably better off spending your training time in the winter doing more running and more cycling. And so we drop the swimming down to, for a lot of guys, once a week or sometimes even less. And they're not going to improve on that kind of volume, but they can certainly hold their swimming ability and hold their stroke together in, you know, in blocks of six weeks or so. And then we have them doing a bit more and then we back it off again. And so those middle of the pack swimmers come out of the, the sort of the hard winter season as much stronger runners and, uh, and cyclists. And we can then add extra swimming on there and they can pick their swim up. And they're always at least at the same level and usually a little bit better by the time of next season. Now, the caveat is if you're not a very good swimmer, if you're a beginner swimmer or if your technique is really shocking, you need to spend a bit more time in the pool during the winter, not necessarily training in inverted commas, but doing specific drills and getting your stroke looked at and practicing good technique. So again, there isn't an awful lot of hard swimming there for those guys because what we're getting them to do is, if you like, it's to learn to make their speedboat into a better shape so it goes through the water faster because a lot of guys who come to swimming as an adult are kind of sailing a barge through the water and we want to try and shape that barge into a speedboat almost so it'll, it'll travel through the water regardless of the size of the engine that's in it. Awesome. So, guys, if um, if you want to hear more about um, Team Oxygen Addict, or you like what uh, you hear from Rob, what's the best uh, strategy for them, Rob? Uh, well, our team's closed at the minute. So, what we've said is we've set up a link. If you go to team.oxygenaddict.com forward slash waiting list, you can add your name on there, and we'll let you know when the team opens back up. We we closed it down for a few months to really sort of concentrate on the athletes who we had in the team during the crazy race season. Mm. Um, and we're going to be opening that up again in October time. So if they pop the name on there, then they'll get an email letting them know when it goes open. And uh, I'll have a couple of webinars and stuff coming up. So maybe I can shoot you over the link Absolutely. and you can maybe pop it in the show notes for us, man, if that's okay. Fantastic, yeah. guys. So if you want to check it out, team.oxygenaddict.com. And uh, you can hear more about reverse periodization with Rob and get your, you know, start planning your season for next year and make sure you're kicking some butt. So, Rob, as always, thanks for your time. Thanks very much, man. Questions and answers. And just one of the ones we got a lot of information about. Um, or and, is and this was filling up Facebook as well. Is there's, there's a new bike coming out by Diamondback. Tell me about you it. must have seen it going turn on your Facebook page somewhere. It's just it's a funky looking bike, and we're not associated with Diamondback in every any way at all. No, I haven't but seen it. But it's 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 a it's a massive it's it's a really it's a big unit. bladed bike, and. Uh, 
I'm just thinking anybody who rides that in Kona is going to have, gonna have gonna <laughs> get destroyed. But I'll be interested to see if anybody does and how they perform. It just looks funky though. So what's the story with it? Is it just Euro gold, is it? I don't know if it's gold or not. I'm sure they'll be claiming it is, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the, the everybody really claims their winter. It's just filling in the spaces on bikes now, isn't it? Yeah. So but with a crosswind, you get just you would think you get uh, you'll get blown around a bit. But in so in Kona, I don't think it'll be great. But elsewhere, I'm sure if you got that in a nice straight line with the right right wind angles, that thing it looks fast, whether it is or not. But it was uh, just something funky that was going around on Facebook this Problem week. Problem with a bike like this is, I imagine getting it repaired is not going to be cheap. Like your maintenance cost would be pretty high. Wouldn't I it? noticed it has disc disc brakes as well. Um, so oh wow, yeah, which is which is starting to happen on road bikes. Yeah, a bit more. They're is it gonna, needed? <clears throat> yeah, they are quite. Um, they're good. They're good. You stop in a hurry, which is not good for for bike racing, um, because you cause crashes if you even touch your brakes. Yeah. Uh, so on my my um, CPO, it's got the option of having a, a front disc brake. Means you got to upgrade all your your gear. Like if I got a bike which had disc brakes, a race bike, I'm like, well, can't use my profile race wheels now because I haven't got disc brakes on them. Okay, interesting. So we got quite a few emails last week when we were watching. Well, while we were doing the show, while I'm in Wisconsin, we was on. We just got quite a few emails from Scott Rice, Caleb, Caleb Guess, um, Sean O'Brien, just saying basically listen to the latest podcast. We've even commented to the slagging off I'm in Wisconsin, I'm slagging it, mate. You're slaggers um, to the apparent lack of spectator support on the run course. I completed I'm in Wisconsin last week. This is from Scott Rice, and I can assure you there were tens of thousands of fans out on the course, and the support in and around transition. And the significant parts of the bike course were, and much of the run was outstanding. Furthermore, the finish line was electric, with thousands of people lining the chute between the state capital and the finish line, all screaming support. Not sure what part of the run you were viewing, but the atmosphere and community support at Wisconsin is exceptional. So it was just the photos I was seeing of the, the you, female pros. You, you were judging the book by its cover. I, I seriously was, and uh, the cover was crap. But <laughs> the book was amazing, obviously, yeah. so make sure you read it. So I'm with Wisconsin. It sounds like they're doing a fantastic job. We're going another one here from Andy Golden just this one's about Aussies three four Laguna triathlon titles tell me about it well click on the link okay tell me about oh, it uh, that basically the only reason I included this was I wanted to say thanks to Andy Golden for finding this oh back <laughs> here we go okay so here we go this long lost result back in November found. 8 1999 uh how do you say it was from Bang Teo Bang Teo, Australia, Mark Leeds returns to reinforce his dominance in the Thai Airways Langoona Phuket Triathlon with another triumph in the event this year. His win of 229.45 over nearest rivals, New Zealander John Newsom, in a 2.30. So he beat you by, oh, it was only 45 seconds. I could see it coming. I was like, holy crap. So you were where? I was. I came off the bike with Peter Reid. So you were first? I know, he, he, I was in second. So, so good old Mark Lees was in the lead. He was in the lead, and Canadian Peter Reed. So you beat Peter Reed by twenty five seconds, thirty five seconds, but was not unexpected. The, but the twenty seven year old pro confessed that he was not cruising. It was a hard race. I had a headache at the end of the bike segment and knew the run was going to be tough. I had to dig deep. The others were strong, particularly John Newsom. That guy's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, was but I wanted to defend my title. Do you get to say anything in here? No, I don't actually. Oh, Jackie Gulling was racing. Yeah, no, they used to get some good athletes over there. I actually click Laurie on the, Bowden? No, the, the other link is the one I want to actually click on oh, okay. so then you can actually see the uh, that's the, results. the Phuket Gazette <laughs> yeah <laughs> I guess let's look at this one this is back uh, there 
Who, who did this for you? They need some I've love. Got, yeah, I've got to give some love to Andy, um, Andy Golson. The reason I want to put it in there is because um, now I can actually, he, he managed to find a link for the uh, actual results that I've now submitted to Athlinks. And uh, now it's going to be immortalised. It's the story of your life. Your bike it let is. you down. <laughs> your bike let you down. Your bike let me down. <laughs> because you had a good swim. I was only six seconds, uh, 16 seconds down. And you were a bit of a head of a read. The bike, you, you lost a minute on the bike. I did. You lost a minute. That's the race. Yeah. You're in it. You gained 30 seconds on the... Yeah. Ran 44.10 for the run. I think yeah. it was 12, 12 k's. Something like, but it's bloody hot. Chris Lee? Chris Lee. It's racing. Yeah. Bryce oh. Quirk. He was a good Aussie. That was about where the field stopped after that. Listen to the female field. Yeah, Jackie Gallagher. Yeah, I don't know. Robin, Robin Roke. Was she good? Yep. Yep. Laurie Belden. Mm-hmm. But she would have been with Peter at that time. Not sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Andy, Andy, Wendy Ingram. Heather Furrer. Yeah. Those are some pretty rock star names. Yeah. Hey. Exactly. And I tell you what, John, the website looks like a 1999 <laughs> website too, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, well done, Andy. And Golden, you are golden. Okay, we're going to have an email here from Lucy Francis. This is a really interesting one. She sent through. Oh, Dave Dwan. Dave Dwan. You, you, you're live on the show, Dave. Oh, sorry, mate. Question's Tuesday. Hey, I'll ring, ring you down. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. You should put it on speaker. Hold on. Um, put it at the top right. Da- Dave, uh, what do you want to say to the I Am Talk uh, audience? We'll, we'll hear from you in Kona, Dave. Cheers, mate. Bye now. <laughs> Do you want to talk about anything? No. <laughs> you didn't even ask him. <laughs> no. He knows it's Tuesday morning. Jesus. So cool when you're on the show. Yeah. Okay, so Lucy Francis sent through a really interesting email. Registration for Ironman Zurich 2017. And Lucy's a bit of a rock star because she's got, I've just noticed that they are going to be offering live GPS tracker for additional fees. And she's given us a screen grab of it. Uh, I've never noticed this before. So Ironman Zurich next year... You can book to get a GPS service tracking device, uh, which weighs forty uh, such forty gram, to share your race in real time with your friends. The cost of doing it is forty six. Now, what's CHF? What what currency uh, is that? It's Swiss, Swiss francs. Okay, which I think is pretty similar to euros, roughly. So let's call it fifty bucks. What do you think? I think it's fantastic. Yeah, great. Thumbs up to um, Iron Man. I think it's great that it's a tack on, so not everybody's going to want to do it. No. Um, I'd like it to see mainstream further down the track, but just giving them the option because the technology's out there. You're like, why the hell don't you guys at least offer it? Mm. So um, good on them. Well done. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I'd like, do it. Yeah, well, like when I did I'm Iron Man back in the day, your family were all jumping on the website refreshing. It'd be mm. cool if your family and your friends can see here's what's happening in the race. Mm. And also for your people who are actually at the race. You know, because that's mm. one of the most frustrating things in an Ironman is where are my people, you know, whereas if you can see, oh, shit. Now, fingers crossed it's great. Mm. You know, ho- hopefully the technology is great that actually. Well, the one that I used in Kona um, seemed to work pretty well. People saw when I wasn't moving. The <laughs> <laughs> um, GPS is broken. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I think it's good. So, nice work. Okay, we've got another one here from good old Morton. It's got, uh, did you know that in Denmark next year we have two European championships on the same week? Both Challenge Road or both challenge with the etu and i man are roast hosting roasting uh european championships this is is this my is, is this a bad joke uh, we are so close as much as joking as bs is boxing so yeah it's it's very odd having two european championships one week apart uh in the same uh same country do I you think, think it, it was bad planning or do you, do you think they all knew uh, i don't know i just think 
I, you just want one championship, really, don't you? You just want a European championship. It would just be nice. And then it's got more credibility. But like you said, with the ITU side of things, you know, just have one European championship, one Ironman World Championship, one half Ironman World Championship. It's just too much. They just they all end up meaning not as much as they could do. Just a bit unfortunate. Yeah, it really is. And, and really, we can only really say ITU and Kona are the real world championships. Mm, 70.3 is a championship. Mm-hmm. Is probably second best outside of that. Mm. Okay, um, John Patrons. Brad the Looker Armstrong. Nice lady Looker. Okay, uh, oh, you says one. Andy the Lion King Cipollini. Cipollini, we've got Lucy Francis, old blinkers. Matt the Albatross Young. Good old Michael the Hawk Threadgold. There you go. So there we go. You, you want to become a patron of the show? You go to www.iamtalk.me. Just put a little patronage in there and you support us in doing what we're doing. When we go to Kona, you can say that's because of me. Exactly. And you get a chance to be there in 2018. And you get some cool gear as well. So check, check, check it out. Okay, John, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social network for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. You're right, Dick Buffer. Team Oxygen Addict. Oh, yeah. Really good. And <laughs> our patrons. Uh, just be a rock star like those guys, guys. Okay, John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Going to Kona next week, Bevan. Next Thursday. That's what I seem to be doing. Yes, it is. Got the final round of the JD Duathlon this weekend. That's what, that's what, that's what uh, Dave Dwan was, uh, was, was calling me about. And really good, challenging course. For what are you doing this weekend? Course your base. So those that guys oh, that came over. Yeah, that came over for the I Am Talk weekend. We're biking from there. It's basically 30, no, 28 k's of hills. It's going to be great. Good old school stuff. That is a good course, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's just a real triathlon, isn't yeah, it? Yes, so I don't know how many hills you got, but there's quite a few. And they're, they're, how long do they take? Maybe three, four minutes a climb, maybe yep. something like that. Because we did good shot one um, by the pub by the Wet Chief Tavern. Yep. So it's going to be a great old course. So looking forward to that. And tell you about something off air as well oh, that's happening this week. Nothing worse than people doing that on a podcast. I'll tell people about it next week. Okay. And. Outside of that, back into life, back into Belinda's life. Belinda's home, she's doing the woman's jobs. Mm, yep, yep, yep. The house is a little bit tidier <laughs> and just getting stuck into my biking, which is great. Before Belinda came home, mm. did you do the big house clean? I did, but I knew it was never going to be up to her no, standards. No. But uh, I did do a house clean. It was, it was, the house was, I considered to be, and anybody else would consider immaculate, it was tidy. Floors were vacuumed. No, there was no washing to do. The kitchen was tidy. Everything was put away. Surfaces were cleaned. She walks in, grabs a rag straight away. Not shitting you. <laughs> it was within half an hour, <laughs> if if not within fifteen minutes. I feel your pain because yeah. I, I, I same thing with me. Because when I go to, when we go to Kona, mm-hmm. Joe's going to do the, the Disneyland trip for family. Yeah, and I get back, and I've got <clears> ten days without Joe. I don't know what I'm going to do, John. Oh dear, I've already started crying and thinking yeah. about it. And uh, and whenever she's gone, because often I'm the one who leaves in mm-hmm. this relationship, and you know she kind of stays home, keeps things going, taking over. And uh, last time, same thing happened. You know, I I spent three hours cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. I went hardcore, and I went, I'm going Joe level here. Mm-hmm. Came in half an hour, picked up a rag, was cleaning yeah. up the house. Yeah, I'm hearing you. It's like they've got a colour we don't see, John, isn't it? Yeah, I honestly I do not see it. I yeah. go. I don't see what you're seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. She'll come in and go, this kitchen floor is such a mess. I'm like, it's pretty good to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> don't come to our Kona condo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to have to up our game this year because we've got camp athletes there. Oh, who's with First, first people arrived on uh, Saturday. They're already over there hanging really? out. Really? Yeah. And so... Do you know who we're rooming with? 
Who gets that lucky treat? I'm on the couch, aren't I again? No, no, you're not actually. Do I get you, a are, you are sharing a room, and it's either with Chris Apple. I'm or, sharing a room. Yes. Oh, poor bugger. Chris Apple, or maybe Brian Hagen, I think. Yeah. There you go. Lucky then. One of you lucky guys. My long hair. They'll be like, oh, the mm. guys. The fashion wolf is messy here. You have a goss? No, the goss. Bevan, what about you? You know what I did on the weekend, John? You went to a movie? Did I go to a movie this week? I don't think I did, actually. Okay. I went to, no, no, I didn't this week. I was going to, but then I did a, I did a hard run session. Mm-hmm. Did a hard, really hard, that was, uh, run fast. It's nice to oh, run goodness. fast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I did some sets where I was doing like, I could even go into three minutes for a bit there. Um, but, but anyway, I was just kind of killing it. It was kind of cool. But then Saturday night, my mate's getting got a wedding to come out this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, and Joe and I have been together eight and a half years nearly. Mm-hmm. And we've only, I don't think we've had, we've had maybe one or two weddings. Mm-hmm. The next six months, we've got seven. Oh, Crazy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, which is good because I love a wedding. But one of my best mates is getting married this weekend. Um, and so we had... It was a bit of a mock stag too because the wedding's been very like they announced it two months ago. It's kind mm. of a low key affair, but mm. so and then so we kind of put out an email for boys saying, "Look, let's just watch a game and maybe have a few mm. beers." So we went and watched a game. game. This is a rugby game. Ball yeah. are amazing. Mm. And uh, and then from there we headed. We went into town, John. Went to a place called the Bog. Right. Yeah. Been the Bog. Yeah. No, Victoria Street. I yeah. haven't, but yeah. yeah. Tell you what, they make some money. Mm. Their place was chocker blocker. Mm. Um, but I got stuck between two people grinding John when they were dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was a bit awkward because what yeah. happened was it's so packed. You go into this place and it's pe- and I don't drink. I don't. <laughs> How did you get yourself stuck? Well, okay. Well, here's grinding. what happened. Here's, here's the situation. You can't just get stuck. <laughs> no, I did because what happened was go into this place. Now, if I'm going out of town, I'm not very good in town if it's just standing around talking. Yeah. Like I'm, 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 I'm a bore, and that's what happened. We're kind of a bore because mm. it was just the boys talking, and you can't really talk because you're just screaming at each other. Mm. So I kind of stayed for about an hour, Max, and went home. But if you're dancing, I'm in mm. for the night. Mm-hmm. But we weren't dancing, so you get into this place, and it's it's like this. I'm showing John. Yeah, yeah. Claustrophobic. Yep. And and so we get in there, and I'm like literally pushed up against the wall. Mm. And then this couple in front of me start grinding out oh, big time. Nice. But I had nowhere to go because I was literally claustrophobic stuck up against yeah. the wall. And it wasn't it wasn't fun. No. It, you know, and you could, everyone's looking at me and giving me everyone I think everyone thought I'd be enjoying it, but it really wasn't because it was <laughs> it wasn't pretty what was grinding in front of me, first of all. And and so I'm a bit stuck. But then luckily my mate Marky Mark, being yeah. a good friend of his, saw what I had He came and ground with you. <laughs> yeah, he did. And then in front of us, that was awesome. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so if you get stuck in a grind, John, get out. Yeah. That's my lesson of life. And other than that, wedding. Mm-hmm. Love a wedding. Do you love Go a wedding? Love a wedding, yeah. You might get something in the mail this week, John. Because we've seen it, our wedding invites. Bet Joe's gone the extra mile on those. She, she, they perfumed and yeah. little ribbons and stuff around I them. I wipe my sweat on them. Yeah. Yep, they've got ribbons. You've got that right. Yeah. She, did, she made them. She did, she did every part of it. I had one job to find out the address of about six people. You were one of them. You that could have used a phone book. Look, John, it seems like way too much hard work. Yes. No, because most of the people were overseas mm. that I had to get the address of. Right. You were the only person local. Yeah. And I thought I was just sending yeah. <laughs> So I took the surprise out of it. <laughs> so there you go. So our wedding's on the 11th of Feb. Nice. My slightly concerning. My, disorders, my daughter's decided to go to Bali, which is pretty cool. It's her first yeah. holiday she's paid for by herself in her life, which is kind of mm-hmm. cool. Um, she's decided to come back on the 10th. Right now, she's like Jester, slightly because she might miss the wedding. Yes, and Joe even suggested that maybe we pay a couple hundred dollars to help up 
to Air New Zealand. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> For at least on the flight. Get her, we'll get her another ticket. She's got two tickets, one or the other. Because Air New Zealand, it just uh, not the most consistent when it comes to getting mm. people home. So mm. there we go. Other than that, John, that's pretty much it. I'm Russ. I'm in it. Train hard. Train smart. Kick Okay, now you can tell me the bit you want to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go, guys. <laughs>